Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will learn about God's plan to bring all the nations of the earth together as one new man in Christ, Yeshua. I want to take you back in time a little bit to share with you some of the challenges that I encountered early on in my walk as a Christian. The year was 2002, and our family was living in Merrimack, New Hampshire. And we began attending a conservative Baptist church. It was just down the street from our house. And it was a traditional New England church building, beautiful building with brick and a white steeple bell tower. I was a new believer in Jesus, and I still had a lot of questions about Christianity. For example, did my Jewish heritage have any meaning? After all, I knew that Jesus was a Jewish man. And wasn't his name actually Joshua, which is pronounced Yehoshua in Hebrew. And then I was wondering, was Christianity a completely new religion, or was it just an offshoot of Judaism? And what exactly is a church anyways? That term really doesn't exist in the Jewish vernacular. And I was wondering, did the church now in some way replace Israel? And if it did, then why did the church look so disconnected from its Jewish or Hebraic foundation? I understood that Israel was God's chosen people, but the church I noticed was comprised of many nationalities, most of whom were not Jewish. And I was wondering how could we as Jews, the natural descendants of Abraham, fit into this seemingly large mass of Gentile Christians? Were we now somehow required to relinquish our Jewish identity? And also, for some unknown reason, none of the churches my wife and I had been attending resembled the Jewish culture and religion I had grown up with in Israel. I had so many questions. Years earlier, when I was still living in Israel, I chose to walk away from my Jewish heritage and move back to the United States. And sadly, at that time, I also felt that being Jewish was something to be ashamed of. In my mind, I felt like we were a disheveled group of stereotyped people that the world seemed to hate for no explainable reason. And I thought that by concealing my Jewish heritage and blending back into the American culture that I would finally be accepted in the world. And strangely, the opposite thing actually happened. I found myself constantly questioned in a rather negative light about my ethnic background. I even encountered anti-Semitism in high school, college, and then later in the workplace. So I would just claim myself to be of German-Italian nationality, And it often diffused most of the tension in the conversations. But now, as a a true Christian believer in Yeshua, in Jesus, I found myself longing to embrace my lost heritage. And so I spent the next several years intensively studying the Bible. And I found myself equipped with this newfound understanding of Old and New Testament Scripture. And it was evident that God held a mysterious love for the Jewish people. And I suddenly found myself feeling blessed because of my heritage and not cursed. But all these questions about the church and Israel remained unanswered. So the Lord began to take me on a journey of historical reading that brought into perspective the transition of the early church. And from my study, it seemed as though that pride, 
and religiosity had taken the church away from its Jewish foundation. Christianity was about having a lifelong personal relationship with the God of Israel. And having this relationship was enabled through the sacrifice of Yeshua, the King and the Savior of Israel. And this relationship was rooted in God's love for all people, and very significantly, the Jewish people. But the church, at least from my perspective, had evolved into this man-made institution of religious denominations. And they were segregated over contradicting theologies that really, for the most part, diminished, if not outright rejected, the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. And so I found myself now living in a no-man's land. I was caught between two worlds. The one Jewish world which continued to reject its Jewish Messiah, and the Gentile world that seemed to ignore the Jewishness of their Messiah. So how would these two worlds be reconciled into one? And would this reconciliation somehow cause us as Jews to lose or give up our Jewish heritage? Now, God already held the answers, and the scriptures told his story. God's plan was simple, and yet it was marvelously hidden. This mystery would unfold over generations, beginning with Abraham. God chose one person from whom the entire foundation of God's kingdom would unfold. But then, through Isaac and Jacob, the great nation of Israel would emerge. Israel was to become God's family, whom the Lord had chosen out of every nation to be his special treasure and heritage, and they were to be a gift to all the nations, because from them would come one seed, the Messiah, Yeshua, the Savior of the world. And Israel was to become a light to the Gentiles and a blessing to every nation, bringing God's message of salvation to every person and filling the whole earth with his blessings. The nations were to be grafted into Israel, and Israel is called the natural branches of Abraham. And together with the Gentiles, in Christ we become one people of God comprised of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. God's simple plan unfolds with yet another dimension. Israel fails in her calling and by and large rejects her Messiah. So the Lord fulfilled his prophecy by turning to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. The Gentiles who were now grafted into Israel, true Israel, would join their Messianic Jewish brothers as one new man in Christ to complete the Great Commission. And in provoking Israel to jealousy, the Gentiles were to arouse the Jewish people, to accept their Messiah so they would fulfill their calling to become a light to the nations. Joining with their Gentile brothers and sisters, then as one people of God, the message of salvation would go forth from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And in the fullness of time, Yeshua would return with his congregation of saints to Jerusalem to establish his earthly kingdom over all the nations. But something went wrong. A root of division and a spirit of anti-Semitism had taken hold within the church, and it started as early as the first century. Tertullian, who is considered a foundational pillar of the Catholic Church and called the father of Latin Christianity, writes to the Jews about the law of Moses. And he says this, Out of the womb of Rebekah, two peoples and two nations were about to proceed. Of course, those of the Jews, that is, of Israel, and of the Gentiles, that is ours. Each then was called a people and a nation, lest from the non-cupative appellation any should dare to claim for himself the privilege of grace. Verse 
For God ordained two peoples and two nations as about to proceed out of the womb of one woman. Wait a minute, two peoples and two nations? Yeshua said in John chapter 10, he said, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. He said one people, not two. Tertullian is essentially saying that God has two chosen people groups, Israel, who is the lineage of Jacob, and the Gentiles, who are the lineage of Esau. Now, Tertullian's writing is non-scriptural. There is only the Jewish Messiah and his atonement for both Jew and Gentile. And Yeshua himself said in John chapter 4, for salvation is of the Jews. Tertullian's writings became the foundation for modern-day Palestinian liberation theology. This is a teaching that was advanced by the Roman Catholic Church in the 1960s, and this teaching being that Esau, not Jacob, is the recipient of the covenant promises. And yet Paul says in Romans chapter 9, he says, For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom according to the flesh Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Paul affirms that all the covenant promises belong to the descendants of Jacob. And to Esau? Well, the Lord said in Malachi chapter 1, he said, But Esau I have hated and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. The scripture is clear. It would be through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that God would establish his covenant and bring forth his Messiah. So how could Esau be the father of the church? Well, he can't, and Tertullian's writings, once again, are non-scriptural. Tertullian has written the first literary piece on supersessionism, which we call replacement theology. This false theology has served as the foundational teaching for the Catholic Church for centuries, and it replaces the Hebraic foundation of the Church with a new Gentile foundation, one that came through the lineage of Esau, not Jacob. While the Catholic Church denies adherence to replacement theology, the Church's written position regarding Israel and the Church actually bolsters it. It reads, in part, The Church regards both Jews and Christians as complementary and overlapping peoples of God. We are both elect. While the Church is the new Israel, this does not obliterate the identity of the old Israel, nor deprive it from playing any role in God's plan of the ages. By calling the church the new Israel, they are effectively saying the church has replaced Israel. And also, they clearly identify with Tertullian's two people groups and two nations theology. And despite the Reformation, many Protestant denominations have continued to hold to the same view or have, unfortunately, maintained an apathetic or illiterate view of Scripture that dilutes or undervalues the calling of the Jewish people. The Apostle Paul said this about the Jews. He said in Romans chapter 3, What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Well, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. And Paul distinctly called out the Jewish people, saying they hold a unique and irrevocable calling. And he did not say the church has replaced the Jewish people. And Paul wrote this about the Gentiles. In Ephesians chapter 2, he said, You were once far off, but have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Just like Esau, who was cut off from the covenant promises of God, 
the Gentiles were also cut off from these same promises. But now the Gentiles have been brought near by the blood of Christ, and that lineage came through Israel. Paul also said in Romans chapter 11, And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. In other words, Paul is saying that to the Jews belong all the promises which are now fulfilled in Christ. And to the Gentiles belonged nothing till the blood of Yeshua would cover them and graft them into Israel to become one new man in Christ and one people of God with Israel. Again, he did not say the church replaces Israel. Now, God has dealt severely with Israel, who are the natural branches that rejected their Messiah. He even cut them away to give a place for the Gentiles to be grafted into his kingdom. But Paul also brought a warning to the Gentiles not to boast or to become arrogant or proud against the Jews. In Romans chapter 11, again, he goes on to say, For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you desire to know where God's heart is, look for his people, Israel. The Lord said in Jeremiah chapter 32, Yes, I will rejoice over them to do good, and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. Wow! With all God's heart and soul, he has promised to do good to the Jewish people and to restore them to the land he promised to Abraham. And so in these last days, the church must grow strong in faith and prayer, grow deep in the knowledge of Scripture, grow powerful in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and grow in love for all people, especially the Jewish people. And the church must fulfill her purpose and calling for Israel, provoking the Jewish people to jealousy, praying for and standing with Israel and enduring to the very end to complete the Great Commission. Israel and Jerusalem will be at the very epicenter of Yeshua's earthly kingdom. And those who bless Israel will be blessed and partake in her blessings. God deeply loves Israel, and any spiritually mature Christian will also love Israel. For these are but some of the many promises in Scripture that God has made for the Jewish people. In Isaiah chapter 49, the Lord says, Behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations, and set up my standard for the peoples. They shall bring your sons in their arms, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers, and their queens your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth, and lick up the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. In Isaiah chapter 60, the Lord says this, The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls, and their king shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Therefore your gates shall be opened continually, they shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. For the nation and the kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, and the box tree together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious, and also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you, 
and all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet, and they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion, the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles, and milk the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. The Lord answered my questions about Israel and the church straight from his written word. Israel was to become the church by inheriting all the promises from Abraham all the way through Yeshua. And the church is God's assembly of all his creation. It's a great nation and a company of nations that would join together under the God of Israel. And despite our natural differences, God's power of oneness is fully revealed when he unites us as one people of God through the blood of Yeshua and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Our nationalities and cultures are not homogenized through Christ, but through him and his kindred spirit, we can embrace our differences for we are all uniquely created in his image. We are one in Christ and one new man comprised of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. And God has not replaced Israel with the church. We collectively are the church. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.